0: Everybody. This is Talk Like a Lady, and it's a podcast where we find out all about our favorite ladies. Um, this week, our guest is Judy Mills. Hi, Judy. Hello, Judy. Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> Judy, what did you pick for our drink tonight?
1: I picked Tank Seven. I love Tank Seven. It's delicious, it's hot outside. So it's perfect night for it.
0: It is so good. And uh, shockingly, you're not the only person that has picked Tank 7 on this uh, podcast Mm -hmm. because everyone loves it. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's so good. Yes. It is a
2: Kansas City favorite, and it needs to be a world favorite. It's my world
0: favorite. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So... Um. Can you tell us about the badass lady that you chose to talk about today?
1: Yeah, I chose Alice Coltrane. I'm a huge, I'm a big Alice Coltrane fan. And, um, and I kind of stumbled upon this fandom new or just recently, like in the last, like maybe five or six years, she is the last uh, wife of John Coltrane and, um, she played in his band. She was a, you know, played the piano, but she was a harpist. And um, after his death, and just in terms of how she dealt with his death, she just really, and even really, while well at the end of life, so I just became a very spiritual person. Um, meditation was a very important part of her life and um she for after his death she formed an, an ashram which actually just recently burnt down a couple years ago in the in the fires in california um and um she just forms you know, her music is like spiritual it's jazz it's the best of like blues almost too sometimes with the vocals like just really beautiful inspirational and she's a woman who really um um but listen to her her own inner drive about what she needed, you know, and, and, and to the spirits, what the spirits think from her, but not just what the rest of the world thought about her. So she's she's always a motivation for me. Uh, An inspiration, awesome. I would say, really more than a motivation. Like if I'm feeling down,
0: yeah, I need to be filled up, then that's where I'll go. Hmm. I didn't I have not heard of Alice Coltrane before, but I can go check her out.
2: I know, my, me neither, and I'm going to.
0: So, how about that?
2: We definitely I all need it. that like, that inspiration though.
0: Yes. Especially now. Totally right now.
2: So Damn. much right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. What charity do you want to feature?
1: When struggle KC, they do are do they do lots of things and things and it's a coalition. So it there is some bailout. I feel like everyone's onto the bailout thing more than probably there are people that need to be bailed out. Yeah. And <laughs> they, but they do that, but they also do lots of other things. They work together as groups. That's the part that I feel like is really super worth. And um, you know, there, there are a lot of great classes right now, but um one Struggle KC is who I wanted to support.
0: Yeah. And like you said, there's probably uh, not as many bailout people that there needs to be for the funds coming in for it. But I assume they can probably hold on to those funds, maybe.
1: Oh, I'm sure they're going to a great place. So I just I appreciate the fact that they're also going to like other means,
0: you know, yes. to help out the cause. So Yes. Yes. Um, oh, that sounds great. And we'll, um, we will definitely, we're going to tag them and everything so that everyone can go check them out and see what they're all about. Awesome. Yeah.
2: So we got the uh, homework side of of this out of the way. <laughs> um. So tell us where you grew up. What, what, what was it like when you grew up?
1: Well, when I grew up even too, because that was a
2: long time ago, but, (laughs) um, I
1: grew up in Southeast Kansas, really small town, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Yes. Gorillas. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I was from Northeast Oklahoma, which is like an hour away in Miami, Miami, Oklahoma, so my family is from Oklahoma, and but then I was raised in Pittsburgh, Kansas. So, and that was, you know, I mean, I, I, I graduated high school in 81. So that's a long time ago. You guys weren't even born then. So, I mean, it was a lot different. Yeah, we were.
0: I was, I was born, born in
1: 1981. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Well, you look very young. So. Well, thank so, you. So um, do you. you I will take good. this. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Yeah, it was a lot different then, you know, growing up. And one of the things that we did, I wish, by the way, I just saw that people are doing this again somewhere around here where they're dragging, we called it dragging the gut. But apparently during the pandemic, people started doing this again somewhere like maybe in Independence or somewhere. Have you guys yep. heard this? Yep, yeah. Yep, it was Independence. <laughs> I i was thought that was the weirdest thing when I heard that, but that's what we did back then. And, um, you know, that was the main activity. Drinking. When I was a kid In Pittsburgh
0: And you know They did that in Tonganoxie too Because I grew up in Small town Tonganoxie And uh, that's what everyone did (laughs) I feel like I feel like that's kind of Because
2: I grew up in Like a million places I moved a lot But like I remember doing that in Salina, Kansas I remember doing that in Topeka, Kansas Like I think it's a theme. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> does it.
1: Yeah, I would uh, think all the other things are to do now, technology wise. Like I would sort of understand pre-internet days, you know. No. Now I don't know why you would do it now.
2: But. Well, maybe because they can't really see, like being in a being in separate cars. Maybe they can still like socialize, but not, you know, touch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, because oh. everyone is following those COVID rules. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> <sighs> so um,
2: what was school like for you? Did you like school? Did you not like school? I,
1: I was a good student. I'd love to learn. I still like to learn. In fact, my fantasy was that when I retired, I was used to go to school constantly. I would just keep going to classes um, because I love. I loved school. I liked being good at it. I liked getting ahead of it. And I was in everything, you know? So it was a small town, so it was easy for that. But I was, in, I was in debate, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Wrote for the newspaper. So I was like that typical over kind of achiever. And um, it was fun. High school was fun. I was ready for it to be over when it was over. So, and then I, I left. I moved about two months after that,
0: and I never went back and I'm okay with that (laughs) of course Uh, after you were done with Pittsburgh where'd you go after that I
1: went to um I went to undergrad at K-State and I went there because that's where my boyfriend went which is so ridiculous I still think about that like he was there okay I had no other choice that's where I was going to go. And um, of course, you know, eventually that was my high school boyfriend. So of course that didn't really last, thank God. And, (laughs) and, um, and so, yeah, I went to school at K-State, which uh, I was an English major. I decided to do that because I was a journalism, I was a journalism major and I took an English class and the English instructor was like, Hey, we need to talk because you don't know how to write. And I was like, what? And he's like, you don't know how to write a paragraph. And I was and I was like, well, I just break it every four or five sentences because I was a journalism major. And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to write. And so I switched over to English. And I mean, obviously, it landed me all the big paying jobs. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. And then um, I got out and I after about two years moved to Kansas City. Guess why? A man. Yes. <laughs> <My boyfriend laughs> <was born. laughs> and um and so, you know, so we get married and I was going to do all those things. And I remember then, is the Junior League still around? Is what? The Junior League? Oh yes, the Junior yeah, League I think is so. very
0: much around.
1: So yeah. I, that's the person I was going to be. So I went, I was super excited about it. And then, uh, it turned into, a, it was a really horrible, toxic, abusive relationship. So I, um, that ended and I remember I went to a therapist. I'm like, I fucking need your help. And I had like a year and a half of like super, back then too, super intensive therapy and it was sort of life changing. And so when that happened, I decided to go to grad school and I went back to K-State this time because I wanted to go. <laughs> I, that's what I wanted to go. And, um, and I ended up spending like three years in Manhattan in grad school doing different things and it was well, it was probably honestly one of the best times of my life. So that's kind of how school went for me. I also went to K
2: State. <laughs> you true. did? How long ago? Uh, I graduated in two thousand three. So, I went because I followed. I moved around a lot. I didn't want to be the only new kid at a college. So I actually followed my best friend. But I met my husband there, so it worked out. That's awesome.
1: But yeah. I gotta say though, I think you're wearing you're wearing a
0: Jayhawk
2: shirt. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a KU fan. Yeah. <laughs> Just, oh,
0: God. I couldn't care a about any of that. So I just yeah. That's so funny. Uh,
2: yeah, well, I did. I, I he, he, Yeah. It's still, there's still arguments in our house every once in a while. It's complicated over there sometimes. <laughs> it's complicated, yeah.
0: Like, if if K-State and KU play each other, there's, like, separate room TV watching. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah. We've gotten better, though. We've been together a long time, so. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who were your uh woman influencers as you when you were growing up
1: I think honestly that I um I when I was raised my mom used to always tell me about how she was just a guy's guy like she she just connected better with guys than she did with women and I think that I sort of followed that for a while and I just didn't have a lot of female friends. I had a roommate that, it was, that it was a really good friend. I had some good friends in, in high school, so I can't necessarily say that. But I would always sort of find myself aligning more with, like, the guys in my life. And then and then that was part... My therapist was a woman. And she wasn't just a therapist. She was the official, like, you know, one of the few women that graduated from med school at that time to go on. And, like, she was amazing. And so... Her, she was an inspiration, and then when I went to grad school, I met all these kick-ass friends that were all women. They were super smart, knew their own mind, and that's where I started sort of discovering um, feminism in general. Like I, I would say that I thought that for a long time, being you know a feminist was really just sleeping with who I wanted to or owning my own body, but there was so much more to it, and I discovered that at graduate school. So that's where I felt like I started having influential women in my life I just had to meet the right kind I think and also I had to be ready for it and I also had to stop being connected and following the men of my life and that took me and, and, and I see women now girls now even and I'm so impressed I'm like why hadn't I learned that when I was your age why did it take me a 28 to learn that
0: you know what's really really weird and that we've talked about with a lot of our guests and like between the two of us was that all in high school like we had some girlfriends but like oh I was a I wanted to be friends with the boys I just wanted the guys and then Uh it's just like 28 29 30 you're like fuck this shit (laughs) like why have I been doing this Uh like I need women in my life like and you know you have them but it's just like you gather more once you once you grow up a little bit
2: yeah totally yeah and I think that's I was gonna say the same thing Carly I like I feel like that's a theme <laughs> one of the themes is that so many of the women we've talked to have said that you know they grew up relating to guys better or just connecting with them more and almost, like, just, like, not even counting women as friends sometimes, you know? Like, meh, you know? But I think part of it for me, and I've said this before, but part of it was, like, I have a dirty mind. I like to cuss. Like, so sometimes, like, I felt, and it was probably my own insecurities, I just felt like I, I, wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going to fit in with some of the girls. So it was probably more like me do like Imposing putting my own themselves. issues on, on girls more than it was girls being, you know, the bitches that I thought they were.
1: <laughs> well, I think that being a girl is hard because, yeah. and, and I think we have a lot of internal going on, like, and that, you know, it's how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to think, you know, and we're told there's so much of that, and we just seem that into we tend to not like how we look. We tend all those insecurities, your body changes, it's all happening at this really crazy time. So it's, I think sometimes it's harder to relate with women when you're going through that, as especially how society tells us we need to relate and what the idea of a girl is or a woman is, you know? So your friends maybe wanted to like cuss too, but they also could didn't think that you necessarily could. You know what I'm saying? That kind of, those kinds of constraints.
2: Anyway. just and society also like <laughs> society also like makes us go against each other. I think too. Like,
0: Oh, they love that. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is like, as I got older, you do start appreciating the, the females. I hate that. Ugh. I hate when men say females, Ugh. the women, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a moment. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, when, you know, you start appreciating the women in your life and you start really talking about things that, you know, we all go through because everybody's different. But I think there's just uh, there's a lot of as a woman, a lot of themes that that we all experience a lot of the same stuff. So.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, OK, I'm going I'm going off of the, the track here, Jess, Um. Is there, like, since we're talking about women and we're always being, you know, pitted against each other in just life all the time, is there, like, you know, a a world topic that's facing women that you want to talk about? I mean, I feel like it ties in.
1: A world topic?
0: Is that? Or, you know, a a world topic, uh, just a... Any topic that's facing women today that just totally sucks? (laughs) Um, Well, there's so many of them,
1: right? The the world is like crumbling around us right now. And and the world is crumbling in a way that honestly, I feel like some of my complaints feel inconsequential. Mm
2: hmm. Yeah.
1: Same. And so, you know, I, I, you know, my son, my sons are not getting killed on the street right now. So it's hard for me to say, you know, have a complaint. Um, And, um, you know, being a a white woman, there's so much privilege around that. So, and, you know, definitely I think that women across the board, all races, all around the world, definitely, you know, misogyny and the patriarchy, And the patriarchy is part of what is, you know, a culprit of the, um, you know, the racial justice that we're looking at right now, too. You know, so it's that could just fix so many things that we could could get rid of that. But um, uh, but that's that's the headline, not a specific,
0: you know, because
1: we we all want to squash the patriarchy.
0: So
2: um, not all of us, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, sadly enough. The three
2: of us. You're right. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> and that's all, right? That's all that matters
1: right now. Um, so I don't know if I could think of something, you know, specific. I think that, you know, we were talking about the Me Too movement in general. I feel like that, in the scheme of things, that's maybe going to take a back seat for a minute because we're all just wanting to kind of survive this. Yes. So I don't know.
0: I don't think I answered it. Yeah. Well, it's just like you did answer it because I think you did answer it. <laughs> yeah. And I believe it's a world topic that's facing women because, you know, Mm -hmm. misogyny and, you know, squashing the patriarchy is always a thing that we have to try to do. Definitely there's an invisibility
1: of women, you know, and that's something that that at, Someone who that at my age, like I'm um, 57, and so I see definitely as age, you become more invisible, and I find that really frustrating. Uh, well, I don't know. Sometimes there's a lot of by the time you reach this age, you're okay with being invisible, you know. But I, but sometimes I find it really frustrating with the with like Elizabeth Warren was completely, you know ignored for all the strengths that she had and if she had been younger and more attractive I feel like and and she's attractive don't get me wrong but had that she's I think that once a woman loses a sexual appeal I feel like that they become invisible and um and so we're robbing ourselves as some really strong leadership politically
0: worldwide I think here in the United States specifically Theory specifically, because I'll be damned if you're not a rich white old guy, then you're just shit out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Liz. I miss Barry too, you guys. Oh,
2: God. I I may just throw a small fit right now.
0: You can. It's always okay to throw fits. do what you want. Um, okay. So, I have a question. Uh-huh. So you talked a little bit about dating and relationships and how you followed boyfriends to places um and how that didn't really work out for you. <laughs> but um have you learned anything about you know dating people or any relationship stuff? I, you know, it- Um, essentially because when I, when I
1: was in my thirties, suddenly I moved and a boy followed me Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I worked like crazy. And then I feel like that, um, at one point I was like, you know what? I'm kind of bad in relationships because I always, my, I, I'm not a good picker, So I will pick a thing. Or a gentleman, or boy, guy, whatever. I will. I always make the wrong choice, and then I fight to make that wrong choice fit. And so, um, so I was like mid forties. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this work. I am. I've, I've been successful in this, this, and this, but I have never, you know, I've, i you know, I've never found the one. I've been in several long term relationships, but you know, it was time to find the right one. And you know that I wasn't. I didn't. And that here's where I feel like I can tell you now that I am successful in a relationship is that I've learned to be completely comfortable not being in a relationship and not feeling like I need to, I would need to find the right one. I need to get better at this, That I will be a, a complete person when I'm good at it. I'm incomplete without it or that, you know, I, I think that for the longest time, and I, I chose to live a different life, even when I was in long-term relationships, I didn't get married I didn't feel the urge to have children. And so I'm like, if I don't feel really the urge to, then why am I, you know? And so I just chose to live a little bit differently, but I always felt that I felt a little chip on my shoulder about it, where people would be like, ask you the questions and I would get annoyed. And now I don't even care. Like this wonderful thing happens. And so I feel like that is how I have learned to be successful in a relationship. It took me this long to, to love myself enough and I know that's super cheesy and I feel like I'm in an open moment, but to love myself enough that I'm just like being me in this moment
0: in this skin is enough. Yeah. That's fucking badass, Judy. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> like well, <thank> you. <laughs> And you know, we do we do talk about how, you know, women are always pressured, like, oh well, you know, you have a uterus or whatever, so you better start popping babies out yeah. and Oh, when you're gonna get married because you're getting old, you know you don't wanna mm-hmm. be an old spinster, or mm-hmm. what the fuck ever, and it's just bullshit, oh yeah, just bullshit, yeah, but it but
2: at least we can say that and have the conversations
0: now, yeah, you know, and like no one's gonna boycott you because you said you don't want to be married and have babies like they would have in the fifties or whatever,
1: yeah. It is weird
0: how the whole thing is, but it is slowly getting better, I think. Yes. Yeah. I mean, a little. (laughs) (laughs) It was getting better. I feel like maybe quality is going down, but hopefully we can pick that shit back up.
2: (laughs) So, what, uh, so you went back to K-State after you went back, what, where did your career go from there? Like what, how did your career blossom?
1: (laughs) Well, I, I, I got my master's in English and, um, at the time I did, I, I I was accepted into a PhD program and then, but I wasn't given an an internship where they call it a teaching position, and so, you know, it's going to be a little bit more expensive and I'm like, it's English. Like everybody I knew at the time was doing it. I'm like, am I going to, be able to get a good job? So I, um, said goodbye to, um, um, academia and it was, that was hard for me because I really thought that that's where I, my unique talents were in terms, you know? And, um, so I kind of, I grieved that for a couple of years and I honestly just sort of had some shitty jobs and one of the shitty jobs was that I worked at a clinic counter. And <laughs> I think it was at the Jones store on Metcalf. Oh, was man. That. Oh,
0: man, the Jones store.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Jones and that was even store. before they
1: modeled it. That was before it was Macy's. And, you know, I mean, you know what Metcalf South was like. Yeah. And I remember that I sort of hated it. I thought I was smarter and better than everybody else there. I remember that I tried to kind of like dress ugly and wear my makeup extreme or whatever because it was sort of anti. But the weird (laughs) thing was is that I was really good at it. And (laughs) And I kind of started liking it. And um, it sort of was a challenge, you know, and it was something to go through. It was something easy to do while I was sort of going through this process of who was I going to be and how was I going to say goodbye to this? And like I said, grieving it. I mean, that's the best thing I can say to describe the situation. I'm like, I'm not going to be this poet. So what am I going to be instead? And um, so anyway, so I kind of got swept into that and I ended up working for Clinique. And in various different positions and traveling around. And it was a really... I mean, they're like the boot camp, like corporate. Like they're... (laughs) The the rules was was incredible. Like I was taking notes constantly because I was going to write this great expose book, which I never did. And (laughs) it is just what you think it is, which is just terrible sort of like um, corporate sort of thing. But it was a great school ground um or schooling or whatever i learned a lot i learned so much and i was able to whether i liked it or not and because i was kind of good at it you know so it was really weird because i thought i was a poet but it turns out that i was probably actually better at doing business things you know it sucks to like be maybe better at something that you don't love as much you know so anyway, so I did that for, oh God, almost like nine years or something, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, I think that I, when I went to grad school, I was a makeup artist and the paid really well. So I was a makeup artist already then. So it was easy to kind of jump into this other thing. So, oh, so yeah, where, oh, I didn't even remember how you got me to,
2: how I got to that, where I was going with that, <laughs> but, but that was-, it was just, it was just talking about the progression of your career after mm-hmm. school.
1: Yeah. so Clinique
2: I, I do like that you were taking notes while working at Clinique though so you were kind of bringing the academia with you <laughs> that that tracks a little bit I think
0: yeah you're like hold on a second let me write that down <laughs> <gasps> so where did like you go the right mm-hmm. Obviously.
2: <laughs> so like where did you go after Clinique what did you do
1: well, that was, that was a sort of a demanding situation. Like I've never, even now with owning my own business, I've never worked more hours. Like in that first year, you'd work 80, 90 hours a week. And that was probably because I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to show them how to do it. And um, um, so I, I honestly, I took a year off after that. I moved back to Kansas City. I bought a shitty old beat up drug house here, which I'm in the middle of right now in... Uh, <laughs> in South Hyde Park and every surface of this, of this house has been redone and, uh, and not pre- perfectly, let me tell you that, but it had to be retouched. And I spent about a year and a half doing that. And um, just sort of, you know, thinking about now, who do I want to be? What now am I going to do? Like, I feel like that's a theme in my life where every so often I sit back and think, what am I going to do? Sometimes I don't make the definitely the right choice. And so what I did was I ended up going to restoration hardware because it was five minutes away. I was restoring an old house. I'm like, I'll use employee discount. I'll hang out there for a minute. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I just, I haven't, like you said, I'm a bad picker and then I stick around too long. So I was with them for about eight years and it was kind of actually a really good experience. It's kind of a really, really shitty company. Like it really is, <laughs> but... but it was easy to be the smartest person in the room because they're really dumb. I mean, it's just a stupid stupid company and I don't really care. I hope they it. <laughs> and, and so it was, and I, and I ended up getting, I got paid a ridiculous amount of money. It was sort of hard to stop. And, um, I got sent out to the Leewood um, location. Mm-hmm. Oh God, I can That's tell you stories about that. And so I, I just sort of wrote it out and I just, I got to do, I got to do, national things and corporate things but i was like i'm not traveling for it because i had to travel a bunch with my other job so i got to kind of be in that building but do build programs and do smarter things than just be in the building you know so it was kind of cool and then i was like i'm so done with this but i knew the lease was coming up and um and there was no way they're gonna have there was the only city in the united states that had two restoration Hardware left the lease was coming up i'm like i'm writing this one out and i wrote it out and I um, got uh, unemployment and I got um, a sufferance package.
0: <laughs> and I took another year and a half off. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. I mean, good for you. I know.
1: So it was my only time I ever, you know, filed for unemployment. And I'm like, I've been putting money into it all my life. I'm not going to feel guilty. Right. And so, yeah. um, so, it turned, so it turned into a decent experience. I think during that time, I really learned something. And that was how to have balance because I hadn't had balance before because I was always all into something. And when I was there, I was like, no, the way this is going to work is if I can learn how to be, you know, a driven whatever, but also how to leave at night and how to work in a, a, a workout routine and just stuff like that. And so I think that's what I took away most
2: from that job. I mean, I, mean. I, I keep saying that I am looking for my happy medium. So I guess that's the same thing as balance, right? <laughs> and it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> it is hard. It's been my lifelong goal.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So you said you're a business owner. And so I know you own Mills Record Company, and how long have you owned that? And how, how did you how did you get that? How did you start that?
1: Well, you know, it's after I, I took a year off and didn't even think about what I was going to do next. Like, I just really, pretty much, just took a year off, and I did. I had lots of fun during that time, and um, because and and so then then it was like, okay, I got to figure this out at some point. I'm going to have to have a job, and so I started thinking about interviewing. I'm like, I don't think I can do that. Like, I just don't think I can put a suit back on and go have a rational conversation with somebody and try to talk to them, you know, and at this point I had turned to 50 and I'm like, I, I don't have that much time left. When you turn 50, there's that thing that happens where you're like, I have way more years behind me than I have in front of me. And what do I want to do with that time? I definitely don't want to go have another corporate situation in my life. I mean, it's a game, it's interesting and I learned how to, you know, whatever, but no, I'm done with that. So I decided to open a micro store (laughs) because I thought, you know, I remember this is crazy, but I had a party on my 50th birthday and I had a party here and lots of people here and it was fun. And I thought to myself, what if this was your job? You know, like I was kind of good at this. Like this was a good party and it's all different kinds of people. And the goal is just make people feel comfortable and, you know, create a great energy. And, you know, and so I just decided I was just going to do it. The psychic cost of not doing my own thing that I decided was bigger than doing my own, the loss of doing my own thing. Like if it went really bad, I was still going to gain more than I would lose if I didn't do it so that's how the record store came about. And um, it's been seven years now and um, it's been a, it's been a huge adventure. Now I have to say also that if you are sort of a workaholic and then you own your own business, hello, hello, <laughs> It's just like mainlining that shit. Like it's <laughs> um, it hard work, And I think that, you know, I, I I, I feel like now I sort of went through that, and now I'm to the other side of where I'm like, this cannot be life sustain I cannot maintain this the rest of my life if I don't find some sort of balance. Like I'm physically not healthy. And so I had to go through some things to figure that out. And so I think I'm through that. Um, and then in December, we opened the bookstore, and um, it's just around the corner because that's what you do, right? Because right? you <laughs> get so much money with the record store, you're just going to open up the store. And that's called Wiseblood Books, our booksellers. Uh, and, and that's been a great experience. I mean, the pandemic kind of threw us a wrench into
0: everything. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, I knew you opened a bookstore, but I haven't been to it because, you know, we've been in a pandemic for fucking ever.
1: I know. It's crazy. So, you know, that's kind of kind of a rough thing, but I, it's, it's really fun.
0: Man, I want to go there so bad. Like, that's kind of Jessica and I's thing is books. Oh, I love it. Books and music, really. So, I mean, you're yeah. just our favorite.
2: <laughs> but also, I think you're way cooler than me. So, oh, God. Yeah, I for real.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah that's... I, I can't... Know. I just... I, I admire the hell out of people that are just like, hey, I'm going to open a business. I just... I, I, That blows my mind. I just can't imagine making that decision, you know? That's amazing.
1: Well, you're really nice because I really didn't know what I was doing. But I don't think before the internet, I couldn't have done it because now I can just Google everything. You know what I mean? So I, I honestly believe that anybody could do it. So you could
0: absolutely do it
1: and you'd be great. at
0: it. Well, I love your record store. Thank you. If I can ever fucking leave my house and go places without, you know, catching the thing and dying, then I'm going back. You can't stop me. <laughs>
1: I completely know what you mean. And like, <laughs> I, I, I've, and this, I mean, I, we're sort of hardcore. If you don't, if you aren't wearing a mask and wearing that properly, you're not allowed in the store. And oh, um, good for you. Oh, I'm so <laughs> done Most with people. guys wearing their mask under their nose. Oh, that drives me nuts. What's the point? Sir, please cover your nose. That's, that was my refrain constantly last week. Oh. I don't care. I don't want to see your dirty nose right now. I don't want to see your mouth. I don't want to see your nose. So, so put that away. <laughs> exactly. But like, you know, even, even though I, will, I refuse to go to stores really anymore, that won't require masks. Costco, you're my only grocery store at this point.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, like I went, I've been to Hy-Vee one time during this whole lockdown and it was like two weeks ago. And there was just people walking around with no masks on. And I was like, listen, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you so I just, hard. Get out. <laughs> I just don't understand it.
2: Mm-mm. I don't understand. Like, cause it's, I know it sucks. Well, yeah. But I just feel like it's my responsibility as a human in the world. Maybe. I, uh, hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I <sighs> that's don't a whole different wear- thing. I don't want to wear a fucking mask either because then I can't see because it fogs up my glasses and I can't take my glasses off because then I can't see <laughs> it then either. But guess what? Yeah, I don't. Do I don't have so that don't problem. Die. I'm gonna do it. I don't so have I don't that die. problem, but Tom does. <laughs> right. So,
2: as a small business owner t- squared times two, um, mm-hmm. do you feel? And then, as a woman. Do you feel like you are heard in the Kansas City business world? Do you feel, you know, important? Like you are listened to? What do you? What are your feelings on that?
1: Oh gosh, that's a complicated question. So <laughs> usually is, yeah. <laughs> I honestly probably spend too much time just in my building, so I really wouldn't know about my perception or how people perceive me outside of the building. And mm-hmm. um, I, I know that, you know, sometimes nice things happen, like where I was invited to be part of the Broadway CID committee board, you know, my, like, really? I don't know anything what's going on in here, <laughs> but it's a good learning experience, you know? So, um, and, and like people will reach out to me and they ask me questions, you know, like, um, um, uh, and so I've been on some national podcasts and I've been on, you know, like, Like, so in that sense, you know, I'll tell you the Record Store Day Committee, there's a woman on there named Carrie Cotillion, and she is fantastic. And she's a huge advocate for record stores in a way that's tireless and admirable. And also she's a huge advocate for women in record stores. And so I feel like any opportunity that I have had that's been on a grand scale has come from her in that position. And I super appreciate that because it is underrepresented. Women are underrepresented as record store owners by far. And so she really helps to keep that balance. And so um, in that sense, I would say that I feel like I've been hurt, you know, I and I feel good about that. But inside the store, not as much, I will say, because Everyone thinks that the, you know, 22-year-old kid with those ball cap on backwards, that he's the owner, not me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have guys like, I bet you haven't heard of, you know, whatever band. I'm like, well, who do you think bought that record, sir? You know, and like, it's just this constant mansplaining of everything, music, records, equipment, like all day and it's just like all right whatever and um so i've been bullied over trying over prices you know they want to like talk through prices and then like oh they want they want to you know negotiate a price or whatever
0: but Uh, excuse me it's not a flea market it's just just a
1: fucking garage sale i know there are some record stores that will do that so i get that but then what happens is a certain dynamic starts to happen because i'm a woman i can't tell them no and it's, that has been interesting. And that's why I was like, nope, no negotiating. I don't care what. I just don't. And that was a really probably within my first month of opening a store. And I realized, I'm like, oh, this is ugly. So, um, you know, I, has it gotten better in the last seven years? I would like to say that it has, but it really hasn't. You know, in terms of customers, male customers. Now I said, what I do love though, is I feel like there's significantly more female customers that are coming into the store buying records. And I love that female. I just, I just said it, but more and more women there for the music, you know, and I love that. And I definitely see a a big increase in that over the last seven years.
0: Yeah. I know. Like I've taken my daughter in there and she's 11. So like, I'll take her in for like a treat and let her pick a record so that she can like add to our record collection, and she loves to do that. That's awesome. That's what it's about. Those are the moments where I'm like, this is why I did this. So yep. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and like, I love doing it because I mean, I've <laughs> I've taken her to concerts since she was like four, so. We'll go to concerts and if she wants a record, then, you know, if she's good or I'll let her get a treat, Lynn, it'll be a record. We'll go to the record store. <sighs> you know, so cute. <laughs> <It's>
2: so cute.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> when you,
2: are you naturally, because when I think of owning a business, Especially in like like retail, I think of like having to talk to people, which is not my thing. <laughs> which so then I start a podcast, you know, whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. um, do you feel like you're an introvert or an extrovert, and does that like kind of change how you do business?
1: I, I think I'm definitely like, I know, and that's a that another thing that I, I, I feel like that I've worked on a long time, but I probably still have to work on it, is I'm a natural people pleaser. So I'm pretty, me too. I, you
2: know,
1: I that. <laughs> but I, I want to make someone feel comfortable and it makes me really, if they feel awkward. I feel awkward. So I have learned and that there's, you know, they say that they say that if you were a child of like, um if you lived in an abusive situation as a child or, you know, had like my mother had a lot of problems and was undiagnosed at the time. And so I had to learn how to read her. And I feel like that skill has gone with me throughout my life. So now I'm pretty strong at reading people and I can naturally make them feel comfortable. And I take some pride or pleasure or both in that. So I feel like that's, that flexes up my extroversion, but I walk away from that often feeling drained. So I have to go home and go, holy shit, I'm done with this day. And I have to decompress. And I feel back up at home alone, you know, not with people, even though I do enjoy the interaction with people. And I do take something from that. It just doesn't necessarily fill me up. So it's kind
2: of a mix of both. That's okay, though. (laughs) right? I feel like there's there's a ton of people like that, though. There are times, like, I'm just... I apologize to listeners because I feel like I say this every fucking episode, (laughs) but I'm talking to new people. So I apologize. (laughs) But as an introvert or yes, as an introvert, I, I wish that I had more extrovert tendencies, I guess, because I feel like it would make things a little bit easier. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, that makes sense to me though, that you need to go home after all that and just recharge
0: and, but I'm I mean, it, it, at making other people feel awkward. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm always in an
2: awkward state, so right? <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I always feel like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just jump in here and say the most awkward shit that I can. And then leave. <laughs> like pull a George Costanza, just like say <laughs> something and go. <laughs> well, there's value in that. <laughs> yeah. It's me. I run away.
2: oh Christ (laughs) oh sorry that made me laugh I know it's
0: I'm ridiculous it's fine so what do you hate about being a woman and what do you love about being a woman
1: what do I hate about women? Our, our hormones are very complicated and not in the way that, oh yeah, PMS, oh whatever. But like, it's a balancing system physically and it manifests through like so many things and they don't really understand it fully yet because all the science is done on men and women are just hysterical still. And like they, they they can fix this stuff or they could understand it better, but they don't care. And so I feel like that part of it is, is it's 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 a it's a raging like in imbalance, like it's not fair. So I think that the hormone part of it. I mean, I get I I, I appreciate that I do have these different hormones, and like in some way that, it, like being a woman is caused by hormones, right? And so I like that part of it. But I think that when it goes wacky or as it, it, it your age, is as you age, as it changes, I understand that. So I think that's absolutely the worst part about
0: it. Uh yes, I agree with that. And I agree that anything that I like, I can just just leave me alone. <laughs> like leave me alone. Let me be fucking hysterical. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I, I don't want I, to be discounted I, for it. Yeah. It's real annoying. Um, for me, like it's, it's pissed me off, like to a rage factor for years when, if I'm upset about something, if somebody's like, are you PMSing? Like, fuck off. That's (laughs) I'm allowed to be angry about something without it being PMS. Like it's, and I know that's like the opposite, you know, that what you were just saying, but it's, it's just, it's it's real annoying. I feel like we're not allowed to have feelings without our hormones being brought up as well. So it's yeah, no, I agree with
1: that. Because they don't really fully understand it, it still seems other than. And if it was something yeah. that was more accepted, and not just a thing a woman goes through once in a while, she's being so mental, It was just a real thing. Then it would have more respect, and then we could wouldn't be discounted for that feeling.
2: Discounted. Ugh, Ugh. <laughs> makes me so angry. Fuck
0: you. Yes, it is BMS. <laughs> well, what is do a you hit. love
2: about being a woman then?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. I do feel like um, you know, I do feel like that being a woman I feel like I, I do we're not more naturally into Okay, I, I know. There's people that are like, there's no difference that we're not women and men are. You know what I mean? Like it's all cultural driven. But I do feel like there are differences, and I do feel like that often women, uh, one, are just more in tune with other people. They are often more in tune with, with, which is what's happening in nature. You know, I feel like women stop to notice those things a lot of times. You know, not all women and. I don't want to act like, you know, but I, 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 I feel like that is me. And I feel like that if I, you know, that's what distinguishes me between me and my brother, for example, because we have the same upbringing. We have half the same genes. We are two different people. And I feel like what part of what makes us different
2: is I'm a woman and he's a man.
1: Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. I think women are, um, again, not, every woman. And of course there are some men in there too, but, um, I think a lot of times we can, we have an ability to step back and like look at the big picture sometimes that, which is why I think more women should be elected. Um, you know, because I think, I know that lots of men like to say that we're too emotional to, you know, hold office. But I think those emotional parts of us are important. And I think it brings something else to the table that this world and our country is missing. And I wish that women were heard more and were, there were more women in power because I think our world would be better.
1: I'm sure you've seen that. that um, I'm sure it was a meme that I saw it, but I think it's a fact. So let's assume that it is. But where all the countries where um, um, the coronavirus has been stopped are countries that have been led by women.
0: Yep. Yes. New Zealand. New Zealand. Oh, my God. She's amazing. I know. She's so amazing. And she's like, look, it's gone. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? The and all the guns also gone. Right. There's no men here. <laughs> look look how it works yeah <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I
2: I I don't understand the world that doesn't appreciate the awesomeness that is a woman it's really and that's not just coming from I mean I get I'm biased because I am a woman but oh, it's frustrating
0: yeah very very
2: frustrating
0: it's so ridiculous actually uh, Judy Yes Are you good at taking compliments Oh I, I, I bet I will try Is oh. it because you to give me a compliment
1: Or because you're just asking
0: uh, Because I want I would like you To give yourself a compliment
1: <laughs> Gotcha Gotcha uh, uh, Okay I think I can do this one I think you do. I think I'm a really hard worker, and I am tenacious, and I don't take no for an answer. And so, um, and I I love to learn things. I, to me, that's a compliment because. Uh, so I feel like I'm good at those things. Though it's, it's easy because those are things I feel really strong about. So,
0: um, yeah, those are compliments I'd give to Judy. Good job! Like those <laughs> are good fucking compliments to give to yourself. Thank you. <laughs> That's hard though. Side note: it's, it's been uh,
2: the vast majority of the women on here that are not good at taking compliments, and it's a struggle to give yourself one, so
0: Yeah, you're in some good people. Company. Some people try to dodge it, and then we have to like call their asses out and be like, "Listen. You didn't do it, so now you have to do it." And:
2: <laughs> Yeah, they do. Tell everyone. <laughs> I say, "Fight your brain, fight your brain.: Good for you for doing that.
1: <laughs> yeah we it's important it, no.
0: though it is. it is
1: and it's it's sort of like you know even socially i can't say thank you you know like i feel like i had to go oh no or you know you you feel like you have to not take it kind of too
2: yeah i've been working on that carly and i and we've said this before too but we've been working on that and um trying to say i'm sorry less Oh, uh, right. I'm s- that one is really tough sorry. for me. Yes, it's really hard for me. I think it again, must- it's because I'm a people pleaser. Yeah, so right. I'm constantly, I'm constantly in an I'm sorry state
1: yes. because of that.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's I feel like it's its own chromosome.
1: I mean, you, it is, <laughs> it's almost just going against, me but- yeah. <laughs>
0: It really is. It's just so hard to not apologize constantly. And I'm like, why am I even apologizing? What did I do? Yeah. Absolutely Sorry. nothing.
2: Nothing Sorry. to apologize about. That's for sure.
0: Right.
2: So do you have a me too story that you're willing to talk about with us?
1: Um, you know, I, I, I like most women I've got a handful for sure, you know, and, uh, But one is actually sort of satisfying to share with you guys. Like, it has a satisfying end. So I'm going to share that one. Um, This is is interesting.
2: (laughs) We don't get those. I, I
1: know, right? This one isn't, like, this wasn't sexual per se, it was definitely gender harassment. I'm not gender, but just definitely harassment. So I was in grad school and I was in one of my first classes. I was this eager, you know, like student or whatever. And I gave a presentation and um, at the end of the presentation, I got feedback from this one, this professor that I up spoke, which I did. And I, and honestly, he was right. And he taught me a valuable lesson that I need to stop up speaking that I needed nobody was going to take me seriously because I touched my hair and I had a tousled—he used the word tousled—sexy hairstyle, and that none of my male students would take me seriously, and um, and I was very uncomfortable with the conversation because it just felt completely—I mean, you know, obviously incorrect, not incorrect, somewhat gross. correct, but it was yeah, it was gross, gross, exactly right. Um, and so the things that made me me, he didn't like those things. And so, uh, and there was better ways to actually address them as well. So I already automatically didn't like him and but he didn't say anything. Cause it was my first semester there. So he was, te- uh, about the, the, the last semester there, he was teaching a class called a gender linguistics class. It was a seminar. So I took the class because I'm like, you know what? Times have changed. Things have gone on. And I wrote a paper about the French uh, feminist, um, uh, uh, French feminism. And so they write a lot about in terms of, you know, grammar and punctuation and story structure and um, writing in general, how that reflects on women differently, how they do it differently, how, you know, and so I really love that sort of thing. And so one of the most obvious parts of this is that, you know, uh, punctuation a lot of times and grammar is really just a, um, it's, uh, we use it to be people up with that. It's not correct. It's a very patriarchal thing. And like, it really is counterproductive to how a woman, like her own sexuality works, et cetera, et cetera. So I wrote this in the paper and he gave me a, he gave me remarks back. His comments back were with, were completely scrambled without any, um, punctuation and like, it was, you couldn't even really decipher He was trying to make a point point. he was making fun of them. So I remember that I went to a couple of my female professors and like was completely unprofessional. You have a case, let's do things. And now just, are you prepared? Are you prepared for what you're gonna to have to go through? I'm like, this was in the nineties, right? You know? So I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm prepared. And they, We respect that, we trust you. And so I got a ride and I hated him. I hated him for years. And I always told the story. I remembered it. I felt so discouraged about it. Like just the way he treated his own subjects, right? And the whole, anyway. And uh, 15 years later, I'm listening on the radio and his name came up and he had been convicted of murder. He killed his wife. Well, and that's the guess. grant Sorry. <laughs> I know uh, this case. Sorry. True crime. Right. I'll say his name. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Tom Murray, and he was an asshole. Now, she shouldn't have had to die. She was lovely, and that poor child is in this horrible situation. But he was a fucking asshole who hated women from the beginning, and he ended. He's in prison
2: now.
0: Yeah. Shut up. (laughs) Fuck that guy. (laughs) Fuck
2: that guy. I I swear to God, I swear to all things holy, you started telling that story, and and he popped in my brain because i was like oh man it'd be weird if it was him and then you said that and i geeked out i'm sorry
0: well but you guys went to the same school so that's right he's it. probably just like oh remember that teacher that was a goddamn murderer <laughs> fuck that guy yeah
1: fuck that guy <laughs> fuck that
0: guy <laughs> and yeah you're right that it that did have like fuck him you know what <laughs> Oh God! Sorry, Sorry Tank Seven did
2: it. Did it. <laughs> tank Seven, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: got me. Um,
2: oh, hey, this is a random question, but every time I go and I do a Boulevard tour, they ask or they say that everybody has a Tank Seven story. Judy, do you have a Tank Seven story? Oh
1: God! I've never taken a tour. So,
2: Actually, I should go. To oh, it's like, so it's a good. You got to go, but. Do you, have a, do you have a crazy experience when drinking Tank 7? I actually don't. I don't either.
1: I mean, you know what, though? I'm going to have one now after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, you have to. I mean, Now you know that that's a thing. You yeah. live in Kansas City, you love Tank 7, you're going to have to have a Tank 7 story. Yeah, it's a challenge. I will take that. <laughs> like, and I will let you know. Here, hold my beer. Okay. Just kidding, I'll drink it. <laughs>
2: Next time, we'll have you in Carly's basement for, for another podcast. We'll do a follow-up and you'll have to tell your Tank 7 story there.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll give you some time to, like, get to it okay. and for the Shmashmona virus to pass.
2: Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> worse. So, we've
0: talked about so many things,
2: um, but, and you talked about being in grad school and that's when you really became like started appreciating the women around you and got those valuable friendships are you still friendship are you still friendship are you still friends with those women do you like, what are your friendships with women now
1: well my you know my my closest friend in the world who I really never see you know how that happens but um, and I met her in grad school and we were born the same year. We went to undergrad at K-State at the same time. We didn't know each other. We had gone to grad school about the same time. Didn't know each other. She lives in a different city. She is a, a mom. And um, so we did, we don't get to spend much time together, but I love her. And I feel like I don't need time. I mean, when I'm with her, it's amazing. But I don't have to be with her all the time to love her anymore or any yeah. Longer, You Yeah. Know? So, um, yeah, Lori, Lori McKinnon, she's a great. Hi, Lori. Lori. Hi, Lori. We love you been there and she's just an amazing human and she makes me always just like, I, I need to be a better person. Like, not in that way, but just because she's so great and so loving and so caring. So, um. So definitely Lori's always been there. I definitely have found that like when I started working a lot I, I sort of made a transition of friends because for a while before I opened the business, I feel like I had a lot of younger friends because I was going out a lot. And so if you're going out a lot, then, you know, people your age generally aren't doing that or whatever. They have families. But now I've sort of, sort of weeded, you know, edited the people in my life a little bit. And now I really appreciate the women that are my age. And I have discovered that um, there is something to like, oh yeah, I had that problem too. You know, there's something to people that are, have gone through similar experiences and uh, you're about the same age, just how rewarding that is. And I just hadn't been around that or a lot of yeah, been around that for a long time. So I would think that's I feel like that this is definitely a journey being a woman in your fifties and going into aging and that sort of thing, like things happen and, um, and somebody else who's going through that or has gone through that is kind of like this really rewarding experience, you know? So I would say that's how my relationship with women is sort of is right now. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, no, that's amazing. That made me happy
1: together. Okay. Just yeah for each
0: other, stick together yeah, that makes me happy. me too, like <laughs> I've found that like the older I get, the easier it is to be like to my friends like, "Hey, I don't see you all the time, but I fucking love you, and I just want you to know it, and anytime you need me, I'll be here, but we don't have to talk every day, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: And then I'm stuck with Carly.
0: Hey. I love you. You love the shit out of me. Come on. (laughs) I do. Who else else would just say the the stupidest shit ever to people I don't know?
2: It's true. It's It's true. It makes me happy. It's
0: it's always me. (laughs) All right. Judy, what do you do for fun?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, socialize with friends and um eating drinking out drinking up eating out That, uh, but now that doesn't happen we do it mostly at home i cook a lot i sort of, nice. I, just, I completely changed out my um diet so i eat a very low inflammatory diet and like uh, you know no processed foods or whatever so it's forced me to cook and now I actually kind of really enjoy it you know I'm like okay now I need to learn how to do this better um so I cook a lot and I used to only like you cook for somebody else you cook when people are coming over and like now I will spend two hours making dinner for me nice (laughs) it's delicious and it's healthy and so um and you're worth it yeah totally worth it I listen to music
0: um I was going to say, if you don't listen to music, what the fuck are you doing owning a re- record? No, company? Totally, I love my turntable.
1: <laughs> my turntable t- was a savior through this whole pandemic, and then I have discovered re- or rediscovered reading. Reading books have always been my best friend, and but for uh, the last eight years, just I felt too fragmented. Need to be doing something else. I couldn't settle into a book, and in the last three months, I just. Jumped that rut, went to a new track, and now reading is some of my favorite time that I spend. I created a little reading lounge in my front porch.
0: Nice. Yes. So oh good. no, I saw a picture of it the other day. Yes. Yes. On the Facebook. Hey, I stalk you. Hi, it's me. <laughs> I <love> it. <laughs> I'm so that's, good that's at stalking people.
2: That's her hobby, is to just stalk
0: people. It's true. I love I it. I mean, so in the her, least creepy way it.
1: possible. Oh, no, that's
2: what it's there for, right? I put it out there. I want attention. Thank you for looking. You're welcome. You are fucking welcome. Um, Do you have a genre of books that you like, or do you just kind of like
1: everything? I usually have something different in each room, so I've usually got a poetry book playing around. Um, um, Lately, I'm starting to like novels more, and before it was a lot of nonfiction, but there's always a poetry book, uh, and usually some book on Zen somewhere.
0: So bettering yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that.
2: It's that fucking education that she likes.
0: I know. It's always, (laughs) always, always always learning, always learning. So so (laughs) (laughs) how dare you?
2: Uh, Oh I mean it's probably that's so sorry, I just had this thought. So you opened a bookstore, right? But, and how long ago did you do that?
1: Well, I, we did it, you know, I keep saying we, because Dylan, who works at the record store, really did a, most of the heavy lifting on the bookstore. Um, we had made a little book, a book section inside the record store, did such a great job, and it was so fulfilling, so not fulfilling, rewarding for me, you know, to sell, and sex and pleasure book I'm like, we gotta do this, you want to do this And he's kind of like I don't know and I'm like, let's do this and so especially when you find the right person to do something and Dylan was absolutely the right person so um we did that and we fought and fought through that building. It was a stupid, funny battle, but we were finally able to open in November
2: well, and that's I was just asking because I is that what brought on that um kind of extra desire to read you think or was it just
0: I think it I had your been... and then you opened
1: well to be honest with you I wasn't reading very much but okay I love books because as a kid books were a safe place if I was reading a book I wasn't going to get in trouble and i and so it was like libraries were where I would go to feel safe so so there's our automatic that that association with it um but then, when we opened the bookstore, I wasn't really reading. And honestly, I felt a lot of guilt. I always have had books all around me because there's a safety thing. I'm like, I sort of feel like an imposter for a lack of a better word. Because you know, I'm like, oh, it's a bookstore, but I haven't read a book all the way through in what, like a year, you know? And so, but I still just wasn't enjoying it. And then I think that I finished a book. I'm like, I don't feel really good. And then I'm like, oh, this one's really good. Oh, then just. I transitioned back over into that young girl who would escape into a book. And I really liked being her. And so I'm back into that. So that feels really good. So I feel like maybe it spurred me onto that, but there was a lot of guilt about it at first.
0: If that makes any sense.
2: It does. Yeah.
0: That makes total sense. For sure. That's like the best part is just losing yourself in books. I think because, you know, get the fuck away from all the bullshit. That's yeah. happening. And it doesn't matter like what you're reading. If you can get into it and if it like soothes you or, you know, makes you think about something else, then I think it's good for you.
2: It's fantastic. Um, So I'm, I'm going to take away one of our wheel questions because since you own a record store, this is what I want to know. What's your Approximate top five favorite bands or singers? Oh, shit, girl. Top five? Top five.
0: (laughs) She's like five?
2: Now, listen, that is coming from a person that cannot make that decision. So if you could, like, it can be more, you know, you do you. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I hate, I hate when people
1: like they try to come up with this eclectic, you know, sort of, you know, um, nobody's heard of sort of things and I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like I have to do that to be interesting. <laughs> so I'm you just put a that job. Up. Yes. I so, agree. I, you know, right. Just let me, who I listen to the most is kind of yes. because I feel like that's really not who you're trying to present yourself as, but who you really like. Yeah. So I love um, this group called everything, but the girl, <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of like uh, from the '90s, right? No yes. one knows they are, but me. And no, Tracy Thorne, like I, oh, I love them so much. And they just reissued um, the last three records on vinyl finally, and I love them. Um, I listen to BTS. I like K-pop. And so I listen to them a lot because they make me feel
2: good.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So that will know, make my
2: friend Rachel
0: so happy. Oh, yeah. She <laughs> she, go, she travels for K-pop uh, concerts. Good for her. I know. Uh, she's awesome. Well, I
1: should get to know her. Tell her to come see me. Side note, she's a librarian. She's you a librarian.
0: A you guys she should hang
1: good.
0: out. I, her. Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: do love Alice Coltrane. I yes. listen to her a yep. lot. Yeah. I, I need her, you know? And it's like, there's Alice Coltrane records I haven't listened to yet because I know there's not going to be any more Alice Coltrane records. So I'm trying to like save some right Yeah,
0: Ooh,
2: That's hard. It's like yeah. saving that. It's like savoring the last bites of dessert. Yes, totally. <laughs> I totally know what
0: you're saying. Yeah. No, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will not.
1: <sighs> uh, I love it. And Nick Cave, I really do love Nick Cave. Oh I think my that, God, Nick Cave. Oh. Uh, He's a really hard worker and he gets up every day, puts on a suit, goes out and makes himself right. Whether you want to or not. And that's just hard work. I personally could never put in. And uh, he just like, you know, yeah, he just hits it. He gets it. And I love how he's, his music has changed as he's gotten older, but it's still great. You know, it's, it's it's emerged. It's different, but it's always edgy and weird and lovely and beautifully written. I'm at four, right? Yep. (laughs) Who do I have left? Oh, I know who. Absolutely, I do. Talk, talk. Mark Hollis is like an amazing musician. He just recently died like a year ago, and he they went into retirement. He's not that, um, that song from the '80s. That is really not what they do. It's this like crazy, interesting stuff that a lot of people say that was heavily influential, uh, influential to Radiohead. And um, it's just this beautiful experimental, oh, experimental sounds weird, but just this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful music. <laughs> I'm be completely not describing it, but it's a feeling more. I listen to music because I'm not a musician. I listen to music a lot more because I feel up because of how it makes me feel and the mood that it invokes and, and, the, and the expertise behind it. I feel like that's the common denominator in all those things, because BTS, for example, it's very well thought out how it's supposed to make you feel like there's a lot of um, engineering behind that feeling. But then there's a group of really young, really cute boys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know who's Delivering like, that message, you know, if if cheekbones could kill someone, they'd have right? all of them. Yeah. That's, that J line it's sharp. I'm like, Jesus, sir. So, do you, when Child. you
2: listen to music, this, so <laughs> my husband, I, I tease my husband because, I, you know, one of his favorite bands is The Doors. And I'm, and I love, I, I genuinely enjoy that music as well. But I'm like, what is, what the fuck is this song about? He's like, I don't know. Like, for me, a lot of, I mean, I love a beat. I love all of everything about music, Uh but lyrics mean a lot to me too, but they just don't mean as much to my husband. So do, do, is there a mix there for you like me? Or is it, are you more about the music, more about the lyrics? Like what, what is it for you? I think
1: I I go in and out with that because BTS lyrics are stupid. They're absolutely, like they really are. Like, you know, (laughs) I mean, their message is good, right? But like, that's just dumb. So I just like how that, that the music is composed to make you feel yeah. a certain thing. And so and that's what pop, well-constructed pop music will do things physically to make you enjoy it. And I like being manipulated that way.
2: <laughs> um. So the first wheel question seems appropriate do you do karaoke if so what's your karaoke song
1: um I I will sometimes if I'm like okay I'm I'm gonna miss out on this experience if I don't but I'm not a good singer so because I think about what I'm doing I don't just get into it but I (laughs) I, Loretta Lynn
2: D-I-V-O-R-C that's that's my that's my girl Loretta (laughs) amazing that makes me happy okay let's see worst fear. Oh gosh.
1: Worst fear. Well, and that, see, that's kind of like, not so, not so amusing, right? No, I think, it's not. I think, the, I think the worst fear is just like, you know, like, like, I don't know. I mean, I fall a lot. And so I fell during like during the the big initial scare of the pandemic, I tripped and I hit my head really hard against the thing. Uh, and I thought to myself, I should probably go to the emergency serum. And I thought, no, you probably shouldn't go to the emergency serum right now. And I'm like, am I going to get up from this? And then that's when you realize, "Oh, I don't know. am I going to get up? Like I had this whole five minute conversation with myself. I'm like, yeah, you're going to get the fuck up right now. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> and I got up. And I went upstairs. I'm like, I probably shouldn't fall asleep right now. And I'm like, no, I'm going to fall asleep right now. You're fine. And, but it's that whole thing of like, not only dying alone, but I feel like my worst fear is having a bad accident and laying there for like a week. (laughs) Oh my God. I know. I should have said to flip it. Like, I don't know, you know, snakes. Yeah. Snakes. Exactly. But I feel like. Are you, are you an overthinker? Oh yes. I'm excellent at that.
2: Okay. Cause that's, that's a very, I, I am also, and that seems like a very much overthinker kind of fear, which I'm not like teasing you about that. No, no, no. You're you're that's,
0: very much an overthinker.
2: Yeah. Yes, I am. So no, that makes sense to me. If I can extract
1: I, anything out of my life with a scalpel knife
2: and put it in a Petri dish and like get it away forever, it would be overthinking. 100. It would be the people pleasing and the overthinking. Yeah. 100% easy,
0: easy question for me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming on our podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I had super fun. Like I didn't realize I'm going to enjoy having such a, have a nice evening. So thank you so much. Yes.
0: yes I'm glad you were, that we You were that.
2: very fun to talk to. I like you yeah. and you're super cool. And I want to be you when I grow up.
1: Oh, you're so sweet.
0: Also, <laughs> we're going to have a, a podcast date at your store as soon as. uh Yeah. You know, we can both side or whatever. Okay. We got to do the, we got to oh, do the double yeah, store. Both stores. Okay, yeah. Shit. Yeah. I love this. So many stores. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Judy, how come you have so many stores?
2: Quit being such a success.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm Judy. I'm successful. <laughs> like you. No, okay. you so <laughs> We want everyone to check out One Struggle KC. It's O-N-E Struggle KC. And, you know, while you're, you're hanging around on the internet, you can check us out. We have a Twitter and an Instagram. Both of them are T-L-A-L-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So it's Talk Like a Lady podcast. And then Gmail, just in case you want to send us love letters or whatever. It's, <laughs> t l a l p cast at gmail and uh that's how you can get a hold of us so um thanks again judy we had so much fun thank you and um here's two ladies let's start listening to what they have to say bye bye